All right. So let's get into our final conversation of of the day then. Uh, since the outbreak of COVID-19, we have, of course, had multiple calls for more to be done to ensure that the different messaging where COVID-19 uh, is concerned is done in all South African languages. Now, last week, stakeholders, including government, held a panel discussion on how to go about doing this. And in fact, you know, they also gave an update in terms of the work that they've been doing and the interventions in alleviating um, in alleviating the issue in terms of the limited translations that we have had so far. So let me welcome then Kolisa Jongolo, who is the acting CEO of the PANSALB. Uh, good when morning and thank you so much for your time today. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. So uh, I'm just going to ask you perhaps if you can lower whatever is is, is playing in your background uh, because it is quite loud so that we're able to uh, have this conversation a bit seamlessly. So let's talk about firstly what you have been able to identify in the kind of language that has been used when conveying messages around COVID-19, at least the predominant languages that has have been used. Mr. Tolisa, are you back on the line? Okay, so I just wanted to, 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 to ask you to uh, tell us what you have found in terms of the languages that have been used so far to predominantly convey messages of COVID-19. Uh, sorry, come again, come again uh, with that question. I'm sorry, I was, uh, I was uh, stepping away from another meeting that I was at uh, visually. Uh, can you please come again with the question? So um, I'm asking you, Mr. Tolisa, what you as PANSALB have identified Mm-hmm. as the key, as, as the main languages rather, okay. that have okay. been used so far in conveying or communicating mes- messages around COVID-19? Uh, thank you very much uh, for that. It is purely English most of the time. And we have uh, uh, seen or came across with a few translations, which also Pencil tried to, uh, to assist, especially when the COVID-19 uh, started. Uh, and also including South African Sign Language. And then we've insisted with government that they, there's no way that they can go out to the public to make those announcements without having a sign language interpreting happening there. So it's purely English and uh, all the time with the translation or interpreting to sign language. Mm-hmm. So it's very little that has been translated into the African languages. Uh, do, you, do you think that this is, this is a disadvantage? A lot. It is a disadvantage. It is disadvantaging those who are not English speaking. Mm. Uh, as we know that this pandemic and this uh, crisis that we're at is affecting everybody. And that's why now you will get now those uh, mixed messages that are taking place out there. And all those myths against the facts about this virus is because people are not getting full information as to what is happening and what is going to happen. For example, now you're talking about the third wave. The third wave. And then people, they think that somebody is sitting somewhere making these waves, you know, creating the first, coming with the second, coming with the third. Mm-hmm. Those are the debates that you will get if you go to the rural areas because people are, are just confused as to how all of this is happening because it is being explained in a language that is not theirs. 
how different do you think people's response to even some of the COVID-19 measures, whether it's the lockdown or, or the hygiene protocols, how different do you think that that would be if it were communicated primarily in languages that, that people uh, understand in the sense that it's, it's languages that would also be their mother tongue? You know, take the example, the example of uh, HIV and AIDS, mm. when this thing started also to travel us, to travel us in the country. So there were a lot of messages, a lot of pamphlets, a lot of uh, discussions taking place in various languages. You go to schools, you go to clinics, you go everywhere. You will find information in people's languages. You know, although some people even took uh, time to understand what a condom is and then also to accept it, but information was out there in their languages. You know, as a result, if you see now that uh, with HIV and AIDS now it is controllable, and even those people, even uh, from the rural areas, those who have been uh, affected, they now at least have some way of managing it. I think if we were to communicate with uh, people in their languages to, so that we, we make sense to them, as I'm saying, people don't even understand what this thing is. You know, mm. as I was saying to you, they think that it is being created somewhere, somewhere. Uh, I, I'm sure you have come across with those messages if you go to the rural areas. So I think people will respond positively if they will be uh, teached. For example, in my village, I'm, from, I'm coming from Tsolo. Yes, no, I'm up on them saying it. I've never seen government going there to teach or to tell my people about how all of this is taking place. They all hear about it on the radios. And of course, radio can only report uh, uh, the information that they can. It is not everything. It's not full teaching about everything, you know. So if we could make every piece of information, mm-hmm. even if it's summaries, make it available in people's languages, and then you will see the difference. What 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 do you think has been the challenge for for government in in making sure that these messages are are translated? Why do you think it's not being done? You, you see, let us just be honest. A government hasn't taken the language agenda seriously. You know, it is something, and I understand that there are competing uh, needs in the country. Mm-hmm. For example, people need houses, people need water. There are other, so there are a lot of things that are actually competing with this particular mandate, but. At the same time, everything is about language. Even if you are communicating water crisis, you have to do that in a language, you know. But government has actually neglected this part of never, or they failed to understand it uh, fully as to how language it, important it is when it comes mm-hmm. to these things. So government hasn't done uh, enough when it comes to this. Yes, there are good policies out there, but come implementation, government is just not serious about implementing those policies that are out there which are meant to actually save us and assist us in crises like this. So one of the things that we have seen at least ministers do on, on an official capacity is that when they have these briefings, whether it's of lockdown regulations or even just latest updates, they will then, uh, once they're done with that, uh, once they're done with their briefing in English, they will then give a, a summary of what they have been, been saying or updating uh, the nation on in their mother tongue. Is that sufficient? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there is any other minister who have done that besides Mama Uncle Zanazuma. That's a minister that I've seen doing that, and I really, really appreciated that. Oh, he's but doing it also, consistently. You, you, you know, whenever she addressed, I'm, I might miss one or two, but mm. whenever she addressed the nation. She will address the nation and then she will do a summary, a summary in Isizu. Mm. And of course, we'll know that the UNI group will benefit a lot from that. 
And actually, you'll find that the Nguni group, that's part that they are going to listen a lot because that's a part that we are talking to them. But what about other groups, the Soto groups? You know, because I've been seeing it being done in Isisutu in any of the Soto group uh, languages. You know, so so meaning that as much that will be also be some strategy that will help. But, uh, the minister also need a translation needs to be prepared a summary mm-hmm. of what he has just mm-hmm. uh, uh, read mm-hmm. that is also prepared for him mm-hmm. to also say it in another language. You know, so that at least people are able to get at least the gist of all of it. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise uh, we're gonna be in this crisis. We're gonna take time to actually come right when, with this uh, crisis that we find ourselves in now. Uh, so, so, so then what is the solution, at least from from your organization? You know, the one is, the, the, the first one is what we have just now also hinted on, that summaries be made available in people's languages. Secondly, all those speeches, you get uh, those speeches translated, yes, you may post them on the internet and stuff, but uh, those uh, uh, local government, they make means actually to even print, print shots of those summaries, such as uh, posters, stuff like that. And then you have those posters pasted everywhere, you know, on poles, on clinics, on schools, everything about this COVID-19 in the languages that people understand. For example, if you are going to Misha's play, you will have those posters, many of them uh, being in Africans. You go to Kailich, you go to Isik, uh, KZN, meaning that you need to look at the languages region by region. And then at least you make posters, as we did with AIDS, as we did with AIDS. Make posters, you make a uh, uh, short uh, information, the basic one and the one that is key for them to understand this. And we've got the National Language Service, that is centralized in the Department of Agriculture. You know, departments must just make use of that service mm. uh, so that they can be assisted there. You know, as much as the use of official language effect is saying each and every department must have that, but we do know that uh, some departments have applied for exemption, meaning that they're not having that. But that does not exempt them from providing information in the languages people understand. So we just need to strategize around this, and uh, our office pens are available to assist and facilitate things. But it's just that uh, when it comes to language, departments seem to be too slow. Do you think that there's been enough advantage taken of the existence of community radio stations, some of which would also often be in the language um, that local communities speak in a particular area in communicating this message? You know, when it comes to radios, you know, radios mm-hmm. are also, as much as they're also a very primary source of information, especially for rural people, you know, but, uh, you'll find that uh, when those radio stations are also expected to be making profit in order to keep them going. So then if we don't buy space there as government so that we communicate basic, basic information to people in their languages, then those radio stations will be disadvantaging them by pushing them to, adver- to advertise and to make this information as much available in the language they broadcast in. I know that they get some grant, but then still, that is not sufficient for them to keep on running, meaning mm-hmm. that government needs to be putting spaces there so that uh, officials go there to have a 10 minute talk or 20 minutes talk about this thing, having people asking questions, you know, in the language they most comfortable. You know, discussing health issues in a language that you're not comfortable in, that is very difficult. It's very difficult even for mm-hmm. me. You might think that I've went to school and I understand English. When it comes to health, I really prefer to convey 
I held conversations in a language that I understand, which is Ipsa. As for now, if you are to talk about the people who are out there in our mm. communities, in the rural communities, mm. it, it just becomes a very difficult and, and really, really, really a crisis for them, you know. Uh, you can also be part of the conversation that we're having this morning, and it's really about, you know, the extent to which government has neglected um, the use of different languages when it comes to communicating messaging uh, of COVID-19 and perhaps your own experience in terms of how you think that this could have been differently handled. So what are some of the basic things that government can do now where its communication is concerned to be more inclusive of the people of, of this country and ensure that you know no one is, is really being left behind um, because the messaging around COVID-19 is not reaching them in a way that they fully understand. And we're having this conversation after we've had two peaks of, of the virus. So so by now, yes, information has has filtered down. But is it really at the quality that it, it, it would be, let's say, for people who are first, uh, first language English speakers uh, uh, who've had the benefit of having this information communicated to them fully in English at every point in turn? And, and just think about the research that is always being done on COVID-19 and how, you know, we, 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 we are updated on the latest in English. What about those who simply don't understand uh, because the language does get too, too technical, especially if one is not a first or even a second uh, language English speaker? So that's the conversation we'll be having. Uh, let me take a quick break. I'm back with Mr. Chongolo after this. on SAFM. So we're getting ready to wrap up our conversation with Cholisa Jongolo, who is the acting CEO for the Pan-South African Language Board. Mr. Uh, Mr. Jongolo, perhaps just from you, has there been any deadline that you have given government in terms of h- how soon you would want them to try and turn this situation around? You, you know, when this thing started, we wrote uh even during the uh, first uh, wave when this thing started mm. when we picked it up that actually government was mainly English on this thing so we immediately wrote to government to say please please uh, make translations as uh, summaries uh, uh, make it available in sign language that's when we started seeing sign language being there all the time but when it comes to these other languages now we, we have seen uh, very little as much as there's some, you can count it, there are some few translations that were sent. But, uh, like, for example, if you have to talk about my people that have just made a difference too, mm. you know, they hear that the registration is open for the elders to be uh, to get this vaccine. But uh, they, 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 that's all they know. They don't know where to go, how to do it, and all those things, you know, meaning that they're just sitting there waiting. If you talk about that, no, now you are you are over six, you can go. They ask, where must I go? Because mm-hmm. nobody's saying anything about mm-hmm. that. There's mm-hmm. no piece of information as to somebody from Yuki or, or somebody from Kutsolo, Kumalepe. Eh, 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 where must that person go? You know, there's nothing about that. Nobody's saying anything about that. But a lot of information is being... Uh, uh, communicated that the registration is open, it's taking place so much, so many people have been uh, vaccinated. But go to them. Uh, to them, you're not talking to them because nothing has been coming to their line, you know. 
It's and, such yet, a, yeah. and yet they are spreading these diseases, you know, and yet yeah. they are spreading they are spreading this uh, uh, virus because they don't even know if they, they have it or not. They You tell them wear your mask all those, but they say, you say I must wear my mask. Where is this thing? What is happening? You know, where is this thing? You know, so, so it's really, it's really difficult and very uh, painful if you are to go to rural, uh, rural areas. So, right. so to government, I've said it from the onset, we have written that communication long time ago to say, please, so there is no, so we can't say now we give them any other deadline. This thing needs to have happened long time ago, meaning that whoever is listening must just start doing it as, as today. Well, let's hope that we'll begin to see more and more of what you are calling for. Let's leave it there for this morning. The acting CEO of the Pan-South African Language Board there, uh, Olisa Jongolo.